Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Joining us now from the DriveHewler.com studio, it's our good friend, the voice of Madden, play-by-play announcer for Fox Sports, Big Ten Network. It's Brandon Gauden. BG, thanks for taking some time, my man. I know your travel schedule is often pretty packed and busy, so was Super Bowl Sunday one that you could enjoy last night? I had a game at Iowa, but thankfully I was able to rush to the, or at Minnesota actually, I was able to rush to the Minneapolis airport, get back to Atlanta in time to see most of the second half. So I was tracking on the plane and then caught the second half back at home, ordered Pizza Hut and some wings, and uh, yeah, it turned out to be a nice old Super Bowl Sunday. Well, that's a hell of a night that, I mean, you basically <laughs> caught it at the perfect time. Mahomes got whatever... They put in his ankle, and then he went on a run. Did you catch Rihanna, though? I did. So I caught the tail end of that. That's kind of right when I right when I tuned in. Um, and there was a debate that we were having, my girlfriend and I, whether it's Rihanna or Rihanna. Because every time you hear her say her own name, she says Rihanna. But 99% of the world, including myself, calls her Rihanna. So... There was a there was a little back and forth, but I think we need to respect that she wants to be called Rihanna. So I'm go- I'm going with Rihanna. I'm going with Rihanna. <laughs> Brandon Godden joining us. Brandon, you had those great and hilariously entertaining videos during COVID. Maybe we need a video breakdown of how to describe her, what how, what we call her and why based on interviews. I, I think that would be right up your alley. Pretty much the only thing I've done on social media in the last five years is those two or three COVID videos outside of that. I, I don't really tweet. I, you know, uh, and I know you weren't looking to go down this rabbit hole, but what I love Twitter for is for what we do guys is just following the writers, right? You, you, that's where I get my news and information and get links to player updates and stories and feature articles. And so that that's where Twitter is my best friend. But outside of that, I don't think the world needs to know whether I'm having a cup of coffee or taking a walk around the block (laughs) i'm there with you man i I just hope the twitter does not get screwed up like it did two or three days ago for like 24 hours it had so many of us writers uh very frustrated (laughs) and such Uh, brandon i'm curious how how is what's your schedule like now because you had such a busy schedule throughout the nfl season when it overlapped with college football with college basketball you throw in trips to orlando for madden do you do things ease up a little bit here gearing up for the Big Ten tournament? Yeah, I mean, right now that when, when football ends and it's just basketball, it's a little less chaotic, but still I'm, I'm doing more games for hoops this year than I've done before, but I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I love doing that. So the fact that I'm on the road this time of year quite a bit doing Big East and Big Ten to me is just a, a continuation of a dream I get to live out. Uh, things into the Big Ten tournament and then I'll do the NCAA tournament for Westwood One will remain busy. And then after that, I will do baseball, but things should slow down a little bit. So once April 1st hits, should have some time to catch my breath. Because even with the baseball, that's usually – a game, maybe two games a week, but usually the rhythm is one game a week from April, May, June, and July. 
so that that's when things kind of slow down a little bit. Brendan Gordon's our guest on the hotline brought to you by the Mower Shop in Fishers and themowershop.com. I'm Brendan King with Scott Agnes and Eddie Garrison. BG, that compared to your old days of being out west doing just a game a week, that's a lot easier in the summer. But uh, go, going back to the Super Bowl in the second half that you watched, Brandon, uh, your biggest takeaway from what Mahomes and the Chiefs did to beat the Eagles? Yeah, I think, uh, look, Patrick Mahomes, obviously, as we've all seen, is just incredible. You know, guy, guys like him just don't come along that often at any position. He has a pretty unique skill set. And, and you mentioned the ankle. I mean, what he was able to do, there was that gutsy run he had late where you could just tell he was grimacing in pain and was not near 100%. Uh, so to be able to do that and plant and throw like he was with that injury was pretty darn impressive. Uh, I kind of wanted – I like Jalen Hurts a lot. I like his story. I think he just is kind of a – he's a team guy who seems to handle the media the right way and is a good locker room guy from everything I've heard. So I, while I love Mahomes, since he had one, I was kind of hoping that Jalen Hurts would get one. Uh, but you, you can't help but love the Chiefs. I just, I don't know. I had Kelsey, uh, the whole crew, it just seems like a really good team. And it was the thing, thing though, that just was blowing my mind watching the game was, was the field condition. And I know a lot of people were talking about <laughs> mm-hmm. that last night and today, but I, I'm just blown away that in the, the biggest spectacle in all of sports, that they let the field be in that shape and that it wasn't properly tested out so that it could be better. I I wonder if they had any inclination going in that this could be a problem and they just didn't say anything, but they're very lucky that somebody didn't tear an ACL or do something more serious on that field with all the slips that were going on. We didn't have injuries, Brandon, but we did have an impact play in terms of guys losing their footing, the first kick by the Chiefs, doinking, uh, instead of going through. So it certainly had that impact there. I'm just, you're right. It's surprising to see in the biggest game of the year for something like that to become an X factor um, and all that. To bring it back local, talking with Brandon Godden here, I'm curious as you, you have the unique experience to talk with these quarterbacks, to talk with coaches as you're going around and calling games uh, throughout the season for Fox. Colts, Reportedly in talks with Shane Steichen and probably going down that road, uh, more of an offensive-minded guy, a creative play caller. How much have you seen that become more of a trend over the last few years? And would that make the most sense in your mind to some of these um, teams that have head coaching openings? Oh, I mean, that is the trend. Not only is it more offensive-minded, it's young offensive mind. And Shane, I, I don't know how old he is, but I know he's not 40. Um and so, look, I, I get it, and I, he's, he's one of those names right now that you hear a lot of positive things about in coaching circles, and when you're out doing games, he has a great reputation. He's got the youth. He's supposedly a very energetic guy, and like you said, people love offense. Like, uh, defense just, I don't know. I, I mean, I know what happened here with the trend of the world that we live in, and everybody wants more excitement and offense, not only in football but in all sports. So I understand uh, but it's like defense, if you if you hire a defensive coach anymore, and some teams certainly have them, but it's just not as sexy as it once was. So uh, the Colts debacle, and we'll call it a debacle, and I've been witnessing it from afar. I did have one Colts game last year when they played Washington, but it, it's just been tough to watch as someone who grew up in the state and, and grew up with those great teams with, with Manning and Marvin and Edge. Uh, it, it's been tough to see so much turmoil and I'm just hoping they can find somebody to turn it around. I'm not here to say that Shane's the guy. If he is the guy, 
but certainly he has an incredibly positive uh, reputation. He's got a great background of the coaching trees that he's come from out west. So uh, we'll see. Uh, We'll see if he can be the guy to turn it around. Uh, I, I hope he can be. Brendan Godden, the voice of Madden from Fox Sports as well. Big Ten Network play-by-play, taking some time on the hotline brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and themowershop.com. BG, one of the things that was brought up often last night, especially post-game when you were watching breakdowns, was, you know, is this the start of the run for Patrick Mahomes to go chase Tom Brady? And, you know, that's a media storyline, of course. I don't know how many people are actually talking about that. But when it comes to the competitiveness and what the Colts have to get to in the AFC, do you see the future as a, like Mahomes versus Allen as it was with Brady and Manning? Or do you see all these other guys starting to just develop where it might not be as easy for Mahomes to get back there so often? Just as Brady. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not sure how much longer Andy Reid has left. Uh, I know he was asked after the game by Bradshaw uh, whether he was going to continue, and he said, oh, you know, I'm just I'm going to enjoy this and keep going. Uh, and, and look, can Mahomes win without Andy Reid? Well, I think absolutely. I'm not saying that Andy Reid is the must-to-have there, but I guess my point is you don't know how long that marriage is going to last. And what we saw with the Belichick-Brady era for so many years that was special. I don't know if you're ever going to see that unison between a genius head coach and an incredible quarterback uh, for that many years ever again. I just think that that was pretty unique. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know that we're going to have, let alone Mahomes. You know, it seems like whether it's Burrow or th- there's there's so many young guys that are kind of surfacing. I don't know if we're going to have so much focus on two guys like we had for a while with with Brady and Manning. I don't know that you're going to really have that uh, anymore. I think what we lived through was a special era that may truly never be duplicated again. And I know that obviously Tom went on from New England and won another one in Tampa. But just to keep it germane to that New England franchise. And then with the Colts, even though they didn't obviously get as many Super Bowls, uh, but the one, but the, the Colts, what the Colts were able to do all those years was sustained success. Um, I think that era, that quarterback era that we just kind of graduated out of, I'm not saying that there won't be greats and that Mahomes is not going to have an incredible Hall of Fame career. Certainly he's on track to do that. Uh, but I, I just think that was a pretty unique time in, in the NFL. Brandon, coach or player, who's the one individual in the NFL you look forward most to your pregame talks with? I will say the guy that impressed me the most when I first had him, and it was the very first NFL game I did back in 2019, was Lamar Jackson. Uh, I had the Ravens and the Cardinals, so it was Jackson and Murray, and that was the storyline, two young quarterbacks. Murray was just in the league. But sitting down with Lamar Jackson at the Ravens facility was something that I'll always remember, first and foremost, just because it was the only NFL game that I had done. So stepping into that space was new and exciting for me. But when he came in, he just kind of commanded the room. And the way he talked, it was like, man, this is a guy that I would want to follow if I was in a locker room. He was just cool, calm, and collected, uh, incredibly well-spoken. And just the way at such a young age that he was breaking down the coverages that he was going to see from the Cardinals and teaching us about what to look for as broadcasters was pretty darn impressive. And that's always stuck with me. And again, a lot of that because it was the first meeting that I had and there's been a lot of other greats that, that I've been fortunate to be with over the last few years. But that, that's the one that always kind of sticks at the top of my mind. 
BG, speaking of broadcasters, Kevin Burkhardt joining the fraternity of guys to call a Super Bowl last night. First of all, I thought his suit game was spectacular. And then secondly, uh, you being with Fox Sports, I'm sure you've had plenty of time to talk to Kevin. So just your reaction of him getting to call the big game and how he did. Yeah, so before he got on the current team that he is, he was paired with Charles Davis for the number two team. Charles is now at CBS, but Charles is the guy that I do the Madden game with. Right. And so kind of through Charles and, and Kevin being at Fox, those guys kind of became uh, mentors to me and great sounding boards. And Kevin is, as, and Charles, but we're keep it to Kevin here since he just called the Super Bowl, as good of a guy as there is. And, you know, his story was told of him being a former car salesman. Then he got into doing the dugouts for the Mets on SMY. And now all of a sudden here you fast forward 15 years later and he's calling a Super Bowl. It's a, it's a pretty cool story. It's a story of like perseverance and hard work and a guy just treating people the right way around him. So I didn't get to catch the beginning of the broadcast, but when I saw them come on camera, uh, before the third quarter, I was just I was just smiling, just happy for him. Someone that deserves to be there. That's a a great broadcaster and even better person. Brennan, let's switch to college basketball now. And in, in terms of what you've seen throughout this Big Ten season, I mean, I use certainly on a roll. Uh, Purdue losing two of their last three games. What stands out to you about what you've seen from the the Big Ten conference here as we enter the final couple of weeks? Well, for the Indiana teams, I mean, look, we all know Purdue's good. I was surprised they lost at Northwestern, not because Northwestern's not good. Northwestern is good, and they certainly punched their ticket to the NCAA tournament with that win yesterday. Uh, it's just the way that Purdue has been playing. I, didn't, I, I thought with Northwestern's lack of interior presence that Purdue and Zach Eady would have their way, and I was wrong on that. But now you look at it, I mean, IU is only two games back at Purdue, and, of course, those two are going to play again. Uh, and, and I know that there there's only five conference games left, so Purdue would have to – but if Purdue slips up in one of the other four and loses to Indiana, you know, Indiana and Purdue, they could be co-champions of the league. Now, I know that that's not likely. What's likely to happen is that Purdue will, even if they lose to IU, hold on to their lead uh, and win the conference. Uh, but, but that's not out of the realm of possibility. And all these people that slept on Indiana through their struggles earlier in the season – I think they're probably going to be jumping back on that IU bandwagon because this is a team that is incredibly dangerous. And I think when they've got all their pieces healthy and everybody's clicking, and obviously Trace is doing what Trace can do, uh, it's still to me a team that not only could win the Big Ten tournament, but could make a big run in the NCAA tournament. And we know how hungry Indiana fans are for that. Uh, and, and I'm curious to see how they play down the stretch. But it's just exciting. It's it's exciting for you know people like us with our Indiana roots to see both teams in the state playing at this level because when it's like this, and it's been a long time, but when it's like this, it just makes that rivalry so much fun, and it makes February and March so much fun in the state of Indiana, so it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, Brandon, the only thing selfishly that's frustrating is the fact that the Big Ten Tournament – is away now, not here in our backyard at Gamebridge Fieldhouse when you have maybe, you know, Purdue and IU potentially one and two. How about the IU women's team? You know, like number two in the country. It'd be fun to have those um, right here. I will say this, too. I think so much anymore in college basketball, you don't see those 
players that were with the program through and through. And I think right now, much like I think we saw several years ago with Yogi Ferrell, you're seeing Trace Jackson Davis really elevate his game. He's led the team in scoring in nine of the last ten games. And you're seeing that experience and leadership really shine through. Has that kind of been as well uh, evident to you throughout this? Yeah, and I think just with the COVID year, for all the bad things that happened in COVID, one thing that COVID has done is it has made college basketball keep around a lot of the older players that may not have been there. A lot of guys that have stayed around for a fifth, even a sixth year. In the Iowa game I did last night, there were four or five guys that were 24 years or 25 years old. Hmm. Um, And I'm not saying that without COVID, Trace wouldn't have stayed. I'm not saying that. But I just think having guys like Race and Trace, Xavier Johnson, guys that are able to stay around and create more of an identity with a program, that, that reminds me of my childhood. you know. And I always throw out the name Calbert Chaney, who went to my high school. But I remember those old Indiana teams where players just – you just knew that they were going to stay four years. And I get why players don't do that anymore. Look, if you can go on and make $50 million in the NBA <laughs> – Go ahead. It, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to convince a kid to stay for a couple. So I'm not saying that, but there is something to really having a team where you know the players, you know them intimately, you follow their story for a few years, and all the transferring that goes on, while I understand it, it's just tough as a fan and a broadcaster to keep track of it all, and it's tough to really have an identity with a program. So when guys like, again, I go back to Trace and Race, just because we're talking about IU, but even Zach Eady, if he stays another year, it's neat to have those stars our players that are staying around in a power conference like the Big Ten because I just think think it makes it so much more identifiable uh, for the fan bases. Brendan Gaudens on the hotline brought to you by the Mower Shop in Fishers and themowershop.com. BG, growing up in Evansville and being around basketball in this state, how much of a game changer is it just for the morale, I guess, of college basketball here when Purdue and Indiana are both on this level? Yeah, it is. And look, you know, being a Butler guy, and I know you are too, uh, you hope that, that Butler is on that level again at some point. Right now it's been a little bit of a struggle this season, although nice to see them beat their rival Xavier. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, look, I remember in the early 90s with, with Glenn Big Dog Robinson and Chaney and Nover and some of those guys at Indiana, and there were just some battles. I mean, and, and when those two teams were playing, the state shut down. That's just It was just the huge event. And I'm not going to say it's necessarily back to that. I think at the beginning of the season we thought it might have been, and then Indiana kind of stubbed their toe. But you got you got Purdue, number one team in the country, and IU starting to climb back up the rankings. So it's starting to get that feel back. And I think the way that Purdue has built themselves and what they've got coming in, especially if Edie stays, but even if he doesn't, I mean, I still think that this is going to be a top 10 Purdue team next year. And then Indiana, we'll see what happens with Trace. Uh, but, but the way that I think Mike Woodson is starting to brew things at Bloomington could have a similar situation. So we could be setting ourselves up, fingers crossed, for, for a, at least a five-year run here of really great battles between Purdue and Indiana, which would be a lot of fun. What's up next for you, BG? What do you got next? I've got, let's see, tomorrow I have uh, St. John's at DePaul, and then Wednesday I have Minnesota at Michigan State. So I'm going to stay here today, fly out early in the morning to Chicago, drive up to East Lansing, and then come back home on Thursday. We will let you get back to all the prep when you got back-to-back games. That's that's a lot of work, my friend. Hey, we appreciate the time, BG. 
Appreciate it, guys. Great to talk to you. All right. Brandon Gunn with us on the hotline brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and the MowerShop.com. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Universally loved and entertaining for sure is our next guest, Rob Blackman, the voice of the Purdue Boilermakers. He's with us on the hotline brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and themowershop.com. Mr. Blackman, first question, what would be your dream Super Bowl halftime show? Uh, We just had it last night, man. Actually? I love Rihanna. Yes. My wife will tell you that my secret crush is Rihanna. Now, look, I'm, I'm 52 years old, so to say that she's out of my league is putting it mildly. Uh, she would never give me a second look, not only because I'm 52, but I'm not very good looking either. But, yes, um, she is, uh, I don't know, I can't tell you why that is, but I would say 15, 17, 18 years ago, I developed this huge crush on Rihanna, and so um, I was quite pleased, let me just put it that way, with last night's halftime performance. If she performed every single Super Bowl, uh, from here until the day I die, that would be fine with me. Well, you were one of the OG fans then. That's that's going 18 years. That's going way back, man. Uh, yeah. I uh, Again, I don't have a good reason for it. Uh, <laughs> I guess I must have heard one of her songs, thought it was good. And then I was like, hey, she's pretty hot. Way out of my league, but so what? Uh, and yeah, so that, that no, I was, uh, I couldn't have been more pleased. I, I didn't, I could really care less about what happened on the field last night. I was all about the halftime field. I was going to say the big thing is just you like what you like and embrace it. And it's one of those things, too, where you I appreciate last thing on the, the act here is just the all that goes into it, the hours and time spent that the, those performers do. And to, to get Rihanna, who we have not seen in a live performance in years, I think we were all enjoying it. And especially as song after song, you're like, it kept bringing me. Rob, back to different memories of, you know, years and years ago of where, when those songs were hot. I've always said to my wife, there's only two women I would leave you for, Rihanna and Kiera Knightley. And if she's often well, if she says, well, then I'm pretty safe because I can promise you those two aren't coming after you. <laughs> <laughs> the voice of the Purdue Bullymakers, Rob Blackman, is with us on the hotline brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and themowershop.com. Rob, going to the Boilers, losing in their most recent game to Northwestern over the weekend, 64-58. To you, what was the biggest difference in that one? Well, the turnovers unfortunately are becoming a bit of a uh, a bit of a sore subject here with Purdue basketball fans, and I I certainly can empathize. I mean, thirteen second half turnovers yesterday, uh, and the fact that Purdue did not shoot the ball well at all, missed their last thirteen three point attempts in that game after really starting off really well, five of nine I think to start the game uh, from three. You really felt like it was going to be a good day for Purdue shooting, and then just. Uh, for whatever reason, that shooting just went away and went away quickly. But really, it's more about the turnovers. And and we have the coaches show tonight with Coach Painter, and I'm almost certain he's going to. I'm going to bring this topic up with him, and he's going to talk about it being a concentration issue uh, because I just know the way that he thinks. Um, it, it's not. It's not a physical issue. Purdue certainly has the talented players to handle the full court pressure because they've shown it this season. Um, against some teams that are really good at full-court pressing, like Marquette and Florida State. 
Um, so it's not a, it's not a physical issue. It's really more of a mental issue and just concentrating and being strong with the ball. And I know that's what really disappointed coach the most with yesterday's performance, as far as the turnovers go. And, and Matt talked about it too, you know, post game in a, in a, in a post game press conference, you know, the game was very physical from an officiating standpoint. They've they let a lot of things go yesterday, but, but so what, as coach Painter said, I mean, you're on the road in the big 10, what do you expect? Uh, you have to make the necessary adjustments uh, from your end um, to, to do a better job taking care of the ball. If that's how the game is going to be officiated. And Purdue did not do a good job of that. So a couple of tough lessons learned yesterday, certainly. And, and that's what happens when you, when you, you know, you don't bring your A game, you don't concentrate at the level you should, uh, you end up losing a game like that at Northwestern. Joined here on the phone line with Rob Blackman, the play-by-play voice of the Purdue Boilermakers. I'm curious, Rob, as you've gone throughout this season and traveled alongside the team, obviously every road game is the opposing team's biggest game, arguably, each season. How how have you felt that Purdue has handled that? I mean, if they lose, obviously there's going to be the court storming and all of that. I think on one side, that's a, a huge compliment. On the other, is that an additional pressure that they're perhaps feeling over the last couple of weeks? Well, it's a great question because uh, this Purdue team, uh, young team that it is, uh, is learning some hard lessons in that area too. Um, A lot of folks, I bring this up and and some folks say, well, that's just an excuse. Uh, I'm just giving you the facts. Purdue's the fifth youngest team in in the Power Five conferences. Uh, This is not a veteran ball club. This is not a team (laughs) that has been around the block a few times. This is a very young team. Um, but with that said, you know, of all the lessons they're learning here, and some of them have been some hard lessons, is just exactly what you're alluding to. Um, with this being Super Bowl weekend, uh, we'll, we'll use this reference. Every single game that Purdue plays is the other team's Super Bowl. That's just how it is. When you're ranked number one in the country, I know they're number three right now, when you're number one in the country, you're getting every team's best shot. You're never going to walk into someone else's arena and get a subpar game from them. It's not going to happen. You're number one in the country. And it's going to be the same thing this Thursday at Maryland. Purdue's number three. They're going to get the Maryland's absolute best shot. They're not going to have an off night against you because you're the team that's on the pedestal. To me, guys, it gives me, and I've thought about this actually for the last, I don't know, two weeks probably. I really thought about it in depth. It really gives me a great appreciation for what, like, say, Mike Krzyzewski was able to do at Duke. Because you think about all those years of that success, and every single night they were taking every team's best shot. And somehow winning a ton of games, um, surviving those best shots. Now, they didn't survive all of them, but just think, they're, they're, they're getting that every single night. And I suppose when it becomes the culture of your program, you learn how to deal with it. Purdue is learning, uh, but they're learning slowly because this is a young ball club that's never been in this position before. But that's another hard lesson that Purdue has to learn and hopefully learn sooner rather than later is when you're in the position you're in right now, um, number one, number two, number three, whatever it might be in the country, you have to be prepared to take everyone's best shot. Purdue got Northwestern's best shot yesterday, and they will get Maryland's best shot on Thursday night. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, Robin, with five games left in the regular season, that's a little crazy to say, but getting those lessons taught to especially the freshman guards right now, how much can that benefit them that they can reflect on that maybe come tournament time? Yeah, and I think on uh, as far as lessons learned from a physical standpoint, that, that, that is the lesson, is the physicality uh, of what it's going to be like here down the stretch. 
Um, look, you guys, you know this as well as anyone. You guys follow basketball. Big Ten basketball in February might as well be the WWE. It's been like that for years. Yeah. It just has. And there's no sense complaining about it. That's why I liked what Coach Painter had to say yesterday. No sense complaining about it. This is, I mean, good God, it's been like this for years. Fans can like it. They can dislike it. It is what it is. Um, so you need to make the adjustments from your end and understand that that's how the game's going to be called here in the month of February because it's 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 uh, it's the dog days of college basketball in February and especially in the Big Ten when everyone's trying to grind it out. Everyone's trying like hell to get to the NCAA tournament. I mean, you don't think that game was important to Northwestern yesterday? They just solidified their 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 spot in the NCAA tournament. I don't see how they don't make it now. Um, and it'll be like that for Maryland Thursday. And, and then you have Indiana and Ohio State still on the schedule. Ohio State literally fighting for their basketball lives right now. Uh, and then you still have Wisconsin, uh, who's in the same position, in Illinois. So, um, again, I can't emphasize it enough. This is nothing new. This is Big Ten basketball in February, especially on the road. So you either make the necessary adjustments or, or you're going to you know, end up really stumbling here down the stretch. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Talking with Rob Blackman here. I'm curious in terms of Zach Eady and how he has handled that. Have you got a sense for that? Because he's been a durable player. He's obviously the central focus every single night for opposing teams. But like I always said with Shaq, the same is true probably for LeBron James. Is just in general, officials don't know how to properly officiate these bigs and, and evaluate You know what's a shove for him versus a, a guard out there. Ha- has that bothered Zach Eady a ton throughout the season? Or, or also, what growth have you seen from him in that department, Rob? I haven't noticed it a lot until yesterday. Okay. Uh, so your question is very timely. I did sense the frustration in the post-game press conference yesterday. Now, I don't sit in on those press conferences because I have my own things to do, but I did watch it back on my phone on the bus ride home. Um, and I, for the first time really all year, I could sense some, some really frustration uh, from Zach uh, about the way he's being officiated. Um, so to this point, I, to answer your question bluntly, up until yesterday, I think he's handled it really well. Um, but yesterday was the first time I really noticed the frustration. And look, I, I get it. Um, uh, it is hard to officiate a guy that size. Uh, you know, I, I try to, I try to show some sympathy for the officials cause I know it has to be difficult, but it also has to be difficult for him knowing that he's getting fouled pretty much every time he has the ball in the basket. Uh, and if I'm an opponent, I don't know that I'm really, uh, you know, I don't know that I would try a, a, a different philosophy. I think that probably is the strategy foul the heck out of them, uh, hope the officials don't call it, and, and try to move on to the other end and, and play offense at the other end. But, yes, uh, that's a long, long, long-winded long answer for your question. But uh, really yesterday is the first time I noticed some real visible frustration from him about how the game was officiated. Rob, how much of an X factor can Mason Gillis be, especially when he's hitting the three ball? Well, yeah, uh, <laughs> look at his 29-point uh, performance against Penn State. Um, that, that's, uh, that's a difference maker. You get 29 points off the bench from one player, uh, you're probably in pretty good shape. Really good three-point shooter, always has been in his career. Um, I think what most people forget, he missed, a, just, he missed three games early in the year. He had a back, a back problem. 
and he never really kind of got himself back right, if you will, if that's even the right phrase, um, from that back injury till about it really feels like maybe a month ago. He really started to round back into shape. And his shot started coming back around, and now you can see that, that he's paying dividends of the way he can shoot the ball. But, you know, he brings so many intangibles to the game, this, despite his shooting, because he plays so hard. Uh, and he can guard, you know, two three different positions. And he rebounds, and he's, he's always the first guy to dive on the floor for a loose ball. So he's one of those intangible guys that you want on the floor for those things. But then if all of a sudden he's making shots, uh, then you really have yourself something. So, yeah, he... He's one of those X-Factor guys. And, look, it's going to take, as you go down the stretch, it's going to take more than just five. I mean, you're going to have to have your bench play well for you if you want to have success, not only down the regular season uh, final five games, but, you know, when you get into postseason play. But, yes, he, he is certainly a guy that if he is if he is hitting open shots, uh, produce a, a much different-looking team on the offensive end. Joined with Rob Blackman. And, Rob, this one question I love to discuss with people – who have been around, who go to every venue. From your standpoint, what are the the top venues in terms of crowd noise and environment that teams have to face? You know, obviously Purdue coming off Northwestern this weekend, Indiana the the week before. What couple of venues are up there for you? I would put uh, I would put Indiana and Michigan State right there as extremely extremely difficult places to play. Uh, when the building is full, which it normally is when we play those two teams, um, because the fan, not only the fan base is great, but to me, I've always felt like it's the students that really are the difference makers. Uh, those are the ones that really set the tone from an environment standpoint. And both of those buildings have great student bodies uh, as far as the student, the student interaction, as far as fans in the game. Um, so I've always felt like those two I'd put right at the top. And, you know, and there are others that are kind of hit and miss because it just kind of depends on whether or not they have good teams. Like Maryland, uh, if they have a good team and you're playing them on a Saturday afternoon and people can actually get to the game, you know, they have a great atmosphere. That building seats over 17,000 and it gets rocking. But if you get them on a, you know, hopefully the way Purdue gets them this week, Thursday night at 6.30, you know, they might have half, that, half, the, half, the, uh, half the seats full just because it's such a difficult place to get to. So, but yes, to answer the question, um, I would, I would start with Michigan state, uh, and Indiana has being the top, the top two, uh, and then Illinois, Wisconsin would probably be, you know, if they're not, if they're not one A and B, they're probably one C and one B because they have the same thing. They, uh, they have great student interaction. And again, I, to me, the students are the ones that set the tone and, and those are some really difficult places to play. Hey, Rob, last thing. This is from our fearless executive producer, the fan, uh, Todd Meyer. Is there a cylinder rule when it comes to Zach Eady being defended or being getting calls? <laughs> well, well, Todd, I, I, I think by definition there's one in the rule book which we don't see it called very often, <laughs> uh, which I think is a, really a frustrating – and I'm not, I'm not even just for Purdue. I would say probably across the board – if you guys remember two or maybe three years ago when that cylinder rule was brought into into play, we were seeing it called all the time. And now I can, off the top of my head, I can think of two, of maybe three times I've seen it called this year in the games that I've been a part of, um, even though it's still happening. I mean, those, those Northwestern guys were clearly in the cylinder of Zach on their double teams yesterday, and it was never called once. Um so I don't – yeah, Todd, it's still in the rules. I'm certain of that because I do see it called once every blue moon. But 
the fact that two or three years ago we saw that call all the time, it felt like, and now it's just like, well, uh, and, you know, the other thing, the flopping thing, guys. Think yeah. about, remember early in the season we were seeing that flopping technical foul? All over. Like all the time. Um, and now we don't ever see it at all. I, I can't think of the last time I've seen one in a game produced done. Uh, or played in, I should say, that I've done. So I – I don't know, man. I know the inconsistency is what baffles the coaches and the players and the fans and the broadcasters, and I don't have an answer for, for why why it's inconsistent. But, yes, yes, Todd, the, the rule still does exist. It just doesn't seem to be enforced very much anymore. Thank you for answering that, Rob, because Todd will now stop texting me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we appreciate you, man. Thanks for the time. <laughs> okay, guys, thanks. Rob Blackman, the voice of the Purdue Boilermakers on the hotline, brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and the Mower Shop.com.